Hello and welcome back to Oh No No No, the Wraith Rovers podcast. It's that weird period between Christmas and New Year where uh, nobody knows what day it is, but we do know that the Rovers are still top of the league and that there's another huge game coming up on Saturday as our broth come to town. So once again, I have the pleasure of being your host. I am Duncan Cameron and joining me today to talk about this one and to talk about Ian Murray's new contract too. I've got some familiar faces uh, with some familiar voices. Uh, so first of all, Robbie Weir is here. How are you, Robbie? Yeah, really good, Duncan. Had a good Christmas and uh, Boxing Day. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Same for me too. Um, Blair Hopcroft is here too. How are you, Blair? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Excellent. And Scott Fleming is also here. How are you, Scott? All good. Cheers. Fantastic. So, I mean, it feels like it was both uh, kind of yesterday and about three years ago, but it is um, just over a fortnight since we last played our broth. Um, Lewis Vaughan kind of snatching the winner with the, the last kick of the ball up at Gayfield. And I think the kind of general consensus after that one was that our broth were, were pretty unlucky um, not to get something out of that one. They've been kind of much improved under Jim McIntyre compared to their, their earlier kind of struggles with Dick Campbell. And I mean, since that game, they got a good win over Cali Thistle and then another really kind of tough um, last minute goal to lose against Dunfermline uh, last week too. Now, we're always saying, you know, that there's obviously there's um, no easy games in this division. Like we saw that when all uh, 10 teams drew with each other last week. But, Robbie, given that our both are still kind of ninth, despite that recent improvement, is this the kind of game that you really have to win if you're going to be a, a title contender? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like this is a, a very bread and butter type game that you'd be looking at if you're you're going to be in the uh, whether it's the promotion race or whether you're going for the playoffs, you've got to be beating the teams that are down that end of the league. Um I think you're absolutely right in saying that the it's it's been a little while or it feels like a while since that Arbroath game up at Gayfield. But it's one of these types of fixtures where it will be different to what the air game was like, the Dundee United game and even the last game of that our broth uh, be very interesting to see how we do line up and move forward with it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling reasonably confident with regards to it. Yeah, and um, Blair, if you kind of contrast that last game with this one, thinking about how the Rovers set up and, and the options they've got for that, is there anything in particular that you would like to see done differently? Um, I think it will naturally be quite different. I think just the nature of the, the pitches, I mean, it's something we spoke about after that game, but the pitch was really heavy um, up at Gayfield. Um, the weather might come into it a little bit if this storm keeps going, because it was actually quite a still night up there that, that week. Um, but no, I, I think um, obviously we're, we're going to be um, without Sean Byrne in terms of, of a suspension going into um, going into Saturday, um, I would imagine Sam Stanton's not going to be available. Um, there's nothing being said. I mean, obviously, we're recording this just before um, Ian Murray does his interview, so this might come back to, to bite us, but I would imagine he's not going to be playing. So I think the midfield will be very different um, come Saturday. I would expect to see Scott Brown um, kind of leading the charge in the, in the middle of the park. Um, but I would hope that we'll be able to get the ball down and play football a little bit more than what we could 
um, when we were up up at Gayfield. Certainly the last 20 minutes or so, that seemed to be the marked difference in that game, was there was a clear kind of conscious effort to let's get the ball down and let's try and actually play a little bit more. Um, and we did kind of carve them open a wee bit. So I think stylistically it'll be different, um, more so than anything else. But certainly the lineup's going to be um, quite quite a bit different, actually, um, given that. And obviously we don't know how... Don't know how all the turkey dinners went over Christmas. There's maybe one or two still struggling. I'm still struggling, so there's maybe one or two still struggling with the hangovers. But um, no, I would hope to see. I'd hope to see a good performance, actually, more so than anything. Yeah, I think the the other thing, the other kind of significant change from that, I think, is that um, Jack Hamilton obviously dropped out of that one, um, kind of at the last minute. I would expect he'll keep his this kind of his starting place for this one, and that should hopefully give us a an extra kind of added dimension going forward. I think that was a large part of where some of the, not that the Rovers struggled in that game, but it didn't quite all come together for them. And as, as you say, in large part, that's down to the pitch. But um, I think you're you're talking about giving the the defence a tougher time. You know, I think that our both defence is there to be got at as much again as they have improved recently. Um, Scott, what about you? How are you feeling going into this one um, in light of some of the changes that will need to be made? I know, just following on to what Blair was saying, I, I do think it will probably be for maybe since the Hamilton game anyway, the sort of first game that we've actually had to be forced into a few changes. So, um, but I, I'm, I'm in, intrigued to see what he's going to do with it. I still think he'll keep going on with this formation. I think he's probably just going to say sort of it was a bad night at the office sort of thing for the air game and it's one game. Let's try and see why would we change everything after just one game. I know it's two key players in the midfield we're missing potentially but I still think if you could get Brown back into that midfield and try and just get the foot on the ball again and play at our pace that we want to play it because there was at times in the last few weeks that we've kind of actually played to whatever the other team's trying to play it, which uh, is going away for what we want to do. So I'll be interested to see what he does. I'll be very actually intrigued to see if he plays Dan O'Reilly after what we said last week, because if he really isn't in his plans, is he going to play him? I, I would, because he's just that sort of player and someday that I would like to see, but I think if he's not really thinking of him in January, well, I don't see him playing him. I think he'll go with somebody that's obviously going to be worse uh, for the remainder of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with that as well. But yeah, it I think saying. it'll be uh, it'll be a a tough game. It always is against Arbroath. They they make it stuffy and whatever. But I think with our pitch, uh, I'm, I'd imagine that it'll be we'll make it water it just before kick off, and it'll be slick as usual. So now I expect us to to do well. I think um, just to, to come in there, it was interesting to see that Ian Murray was in the Courier mentioning about with O'Reilly that it's, I think his phrase was it's a two-way street. So yeah, it'll be, you'd expect over the next few days because there will be quite a few clubs at our level that would need a centre-back and I think O'Reilly's proved himself to be 
competent um, at a minimum, uh, if not a good centre back. And he's done fine for us so far. So you would imagine that he's not going to be short of inquiries if he's not coming back to us. So that'll be one to, to watch, I'd imagine, over the next week or so. Yeah, I think the the starting lineup for this one will be the, the biggest indicator you're going to get of the the kind of current status of Dan O'Reilly, which, which I mean, it makes perfect sense. If, if you're him and you're you're looking at this Rover side and um, you know Keith Watson's coming back, Scott Brown is getting game time in the middle of the part in the middle of the defence. If he's got the chance to go to a Morton or a Dunfermline in this division and play every week, um. Then you know he's he's absolutely right to to look at that. Personally, I, I hope he does stay. I think it's the the kind of option that you need if you're really going to go and and kind of challenge for a a league title. Um, I personally, I would be starting him in, in this one. Um, I think you've got a few a few kind of permutations for for how put a full team together with this and it starts with who you're playing at centre half so obviously you and Murray will be one but then you could keep Scott Brown there, you can bring Dan O'Reilly in if you do think that Dan O'Reilly is going to go um, then you've got Dylan Corr as an option there as well and as I say I think the choice that you make there then informs the midfield it's interesting what you say Scott about um, Ian Murray probably will keep this same system. He'll probably play the kind of the one holding midfielder. Um because I'm I think that's very bold. We talked about it in the last one. I think that was part of the kind of downfall such as it was um against Air United. I think without Sam Stanton you, you and and I think we're all working on the assumption that we don't have Sam Stanton. Um that that's where the gaps start to appear. And actually, going back to something that Leslie said in a previous podcast, as I sat down to kind of try and, and you know, do this this stupid thing we do where we, we try and come up with a starting 11, um, I would play Scott McGill. And I know that's that's a little bit left field because he's, he's barely had any minutes recently. Just we've not had the types of games where he, he's been coming on. But I don't personally... I don't think the one-man holding midfield works without Sam Stanton. I actually think it's as simple as that. Um, without Stanton, your number 10 basically becomes Lewis Vaughn. And he's, he's and this is not a criticism, this is just a statement of fact. He's too forward-looking. You know, he's, he's in that same position in the park, but he's trying to score a hat-trick. He's not thinking about what he should be doing next to the other midfielder. Um, and that's where, for me, I would be looking to get Scott McGill in. So I'd say I would play Dan O'Reilly in the defence, Scott Brown and Scott McGill in the, as the kind of holding midfield with McGill the more advanced of the two. And then kind of on as the as the out and out kind of number 10. Um, See, we're but, talking about the yeah. uh, four... One three two, uh, or whatever it is that we're we're sort of playing this one holding midfielder. The dynamic of um, our broth should be a factor as well because you would factor that either have got better ac- attacking options. You would, I think, everyone would say than our broth, um, yes. and our broth as well with the the situation with Jermaine Hilton and the lad Jay Bird 
with what's happened with them, do you play them at all? Because they've naturally been tearing bits out of each other. You do you drop one? Do you one drop the other? Aye. Um, one, one of them suspended. So. Yeah, Bird, I think, is, is suspended, so he's not going to feature, but do you play Hilton? It's, it's one where it'll be... I'm keen to see how it goes. But again, even against our Arbroath away, we still didn't really... We really toiled to really get to grips with the game um, in the way that we have other games this season, I would say, as well. It was one of our poorer performances. Yeah, I mean, just to, to kind of recap that point that you mentioned there. So during that game against Dunfermline, about 15 minutes from the end, um, really Arbroath, I think, they're two kind of st- standout attacking players this season. Um, it's Jay Bird and Jermaine Hilton had a, a falling out to some degree and uh, kind of squared up to one another. It didn't quite descend into kind of full-on punches being thrown, but it was enough that the referee gave them both yellow cards and Jay Bird had even booked um, as well and having already scored in that game. So it will be interesting because, as you say, Blair, so Bird's suspended, so he definitely won't be playing. Um, Hilton, you know, Jim McIntyre, I thought was quite measured in his response to it, which is what you would expect to hear, which is, you know, we'll deal with it in-house, etc. Could be that he sits him out. I suspect he won't. For for no reason more than they don't have that many players, really. I mean, I think they had five on the bench against the Vermont, so they're already a man down, you know, beyond that with uh, with Bird's suspension. But that will mean that will significantly weaken them. Um, I mean, looking at their their past few games, so uh, Jay Bird scored against Arbroath. He also scored against Cali Thistle the week before. The game before that, it was Hilton who scored against us. You know, that these are the two guys who are kind of... Uh, Bird and Hilton are, are where their goals are coming from. It'll be interesting to see who does get the, the nod up front. So, I mean, to go back to your point, Robbie, yeah, if, if ever you were going to try and... Um, you know, if you're going to have the confidence of maybe not having two in a holding midfield that's probably at home to a team um, in the kind of situation that, that our both are in. But, um, Blair, how would you be, you know, kind of squaring those circles in terms of the, the selection issues? Yeah, I think um, I agree with you, Duncan, I must admit, in terms of the, the shape. I think there's a little bit of me agrees with Scott in the sense that he might do it because it's Ian Murray and it's what he does. Um, but I, I don't think it works without Sam Stanton. I think that's my, my biggest concern. Um, and I, I also am not sure it works without, and, and if it's going to work without Sam Stanton, I should say, I don't think it happens without Byrne. Like, Scott Brown's a very different option. He's he's good and he, he's, he's fiery and he throws himself about and he leads from the front and all the rest of it. And he's a decent footballer, he is, there's no doubt, but he's no Sean Byrne. It, it just isn't. Um, he can't put his foot in the ball at the same extent and kind of dictate play. Um, so I think I would go with a two. I think McGill's a decent option, to be fair. Um, he, he definitely offers you the energy that Sam Stanton offers you. He, he's, he offers you that kind of work rate. I actually wonder, it's interesting because you're right, he hasn't played a lot of minutes. So I wonder whether that actually puts, puts Ross Matthews a bit in the frame as well because... I mean, why McGill over Matthews? McGill's played more football, but no for a good few weeks. So I don't know if he's going to be that far ahead um, of Ross Matthews. 
and it's a game where we should be able to control play a little bit more. So it might be a good chance to kind of bed Ross Matthews back in and give him some, give him some minutes. Um, I don't see the forwards changing much. Um, I think Hamilton will play like you say, um, but that midfield thing, it's. It's tough because every time we do this, we try and predict what Murray's going to do and he's got another ace up his sleeve that we've never even thought of. Do you know what I mean? He's probably got, I don't know, something lined up that none of us can even um, imagine. But um, I'd like to see us go a little bit more kind of solid in the midfield, I think, and and try and control the game a little bit more because we, we definitely didn't do that up at our growth, um, mainly because of the pitch, but also because every time we put the ball forward, it came straight back down our throats. Um but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. We do this every week, <laughs> honestly. The, the short answer is, I didn't care, Duncan. I didn't care. It's, no, I agree with you. I'm not convinced it makes for a great podcasting, but I agree with you. No. Um, Why people listen. The, um, the one thing I will say is, it is at least nice to not be worried about it yeah. when you're having these kind of conversations, because there's certainly been managers in the past where you're like, what the hell is he going to do on this Saturday? Like, Who's going to play this time? And you're you're terrified, but it's like no, I'm, I'm pretty confident that whatever it is, it will at least be coherent, and uh, you know there will be some semblance of plan around it. Uh, I would be delighted to see Ross Matthews back in. I actually think, in terms of the the type of player and all that kind of stuff, Ross Matthews is closer to what ideally you you would want in there. Um, the fact that he's not had as much as a couple of minutes, it was kind of what kept me away from it. But your point is very valid. You know, Scott McGill was it Hamden? Is that the last time we saw him? Yeah, it would have been. Um, and he came yeah. off the bench and he, he he set up a goal, but he, that, even that was only five minutes. He's maybe had five minutes since then. That that's kind of slipped my mind. But yeah, I mean, he's certainly not had a a lot of game time. And that, um, again, the point you make about Sean Byrne is is very very true. You know, he is he's one of the very few players in the division who can play the way that he does and give you that kind of complete control. And I think the only other thing is, I think the the, the other factor in the lack of control that we had at Gayfield was that we were playing um, Callum Smith and Jamie Gullen, both playing up front, but kind of both trying to do the same thing, kind of trying to play off the, the shoulder of the last man and, and do that running. And it just never, never really came off. Whereas, as we've said, with Jack Hamilton, um, you've hopefully got a a better chance of of playing off him. And um, I wouldn't be incredibly surprised to see some kind of change in the the attacking players at start. Though you would expect that Lewis Vaughan will start, given yeah. he scored a hat-trick. Um, but Dylan Easton's played a lot of minutes recently. Uh, and then so is Josh Mullen on the other side. Um, so again, when I've just been doing my, my scribbling um, for what it's worth, which is you know literally zero, um, I think I've got I've got Aidan Connolly in for um, Josh Mullen. But again, wouldn't be hugely surprised to see um, Jamie Gullen or, or um, Callum Smith in from the start either. Connolly did get the assist as well for Vaughan's final goal against Ayr. So I think Connolly yeah. upwards a bit more defensively as well, doesn't he? Yeah. It's just a all-round good player. Um, and I think we spoke at length after um, bef- uh, the last Arbroath game about how we did miss Jack Hamilton. So it'll be nice to see him 
so long as, again, we don't know the team news before going into this, but if he is fit, to see the sort of damage that he can potentially do to their back line, because that was something that we did really miss up yeah. at Gayfield. So. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly it. They, they, I think they got to defend the way they want to defend in that game. Um, you know, you, you know what you're gonna get from the likes of Thomas O'Brien. Um, so a guy, it will just be be interesting to see how they how it'll be interesting to see how adventurous our both are as well. Um, I'm really conflicted on Jim McIntyre as a manager. I can't decide if he's kind of quietly comfort, quietly competent, or really quite hopeless. Um, but like, Hopefully. I'm sure it's one of the two. Um, so like, it'll be interesting to see how adventurous they are, um, because they should be fairly confident given the way they, they have been playing. But um, I'm not convinced they've got much on their bench, and they're going to be looking at their bench um, going into this one. Um. Scott, any any kind of additional thoughts on this one from you? Um, and then take us into uh, predictions as well, please. Yeah, I mean, just going off what you're saying about what Arbroath might do, I mean, that suspension for uh, Bird is actually going to probably really hamper them a lot. And te- not just in terms of their attacking options, but, I mean, against the Pars last week, they had four outfield players on the bench. So unless anybody's back for injury, that'll be three as far as I'm concerned. So again, you'll be... I just don't see how they're going to be able to... I think the first half, they'll make it pretty stuffy and just... I, I could see it being nil-nil at half time and just we're knocking at the door. And then I think once we get the first, I think that could be it and we get... a two or three and uh, comfortably get a win by the 90 minutes. But I just, I think they'll they'll be all right for the first hour, I think. But I think it'll be us, again, utilising our bench uh, and just able to kind of power over the top of them. But in terms of prediction, yeah, I've been saying it pretty much all week. I, I genuinely think this is going to be, even without the two boys in midfield that we're expecting to miss, I'm still very confident that we'll score a few and I just think after that uh, air game last week, I think that's also going to knock sort of the boys back to go, right, we need to really knuckle down defensively because uh, it just wasn't acceptable. It was it was just so open and it made for great entertainment, I suppose, but it, was, uh, it wasn't fun to watch at times, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go 3-0. Rovers. I just I think it'll be. I, I hope it's as comfortable as that because I'm sick fed up of one goal games. <laughs> Good. I like the I like the confidence. Um, if I, for whatever reason I'm not entirely sure I share it, just quite to that degree. But I do I do like it. I think we could do with uh, doing more of that. Um, Blair, you next, please. Uh, final thoughts and uh, and your prediction. Yeah, I think you both kind of covered pretty much all of it. I think the lack of bird. Um, up front for them. I don't really see them having another striker that offers them a hell of a lot of anything, actually, to be fair. They've, they've got a couple of kind of quick... Macintosh is always relatively think, handy and, yeah. and Hilton as well. Do you know what I mean? But they play wide. Um, but they need something to 
focus on, and I'm not sure they're going to have that without Bird. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm I'm not as um, unsure as you are. I think McIntyre's utterly hopeless. Um, I, I do. I, I think he's been he's one of these managers that's just been bouncing about these leagues for too long. Like um, he comes in, he does a job for six or eight months, and then quietly leaves again and goes somewhere else. Do you know I mean, it just seems to be this repeat. Um, I, I do think we'll win. Um, I'm not quite as confident as Scott. I have to say that the, the two goal game would be lovely, so I'll I'll go two nil. Um, but there's someone in me that thinks it's going to be like three two. Um, Leighton McIntosh is the one. I'm now I'm now trying to predict our Bros lineup as well, given my my successful track record with the Rovers. But uh, Leighton McIntosh is the one I would kind of expect to to start up front in the absence of Jay Bird, and he's a bit of a bit of a kind of flat track bully Macintosh yeah. no get loads and loads of technical ability but he's big and strong and he does I mean he does score the odd goal um, he's not the not, not going to give you the easiest of games and I'm still a wee bit wary after how much damage Anton Dowds was doing just, just in the way that, that he kind of shook up the Rovers defence a wee bit but to your point, Scott, I mean, Ian Murray, after we get beat by Airdrie, came out and it was I mean, a little bit of an unusual thing to say just in the way that he phrased it. And he basically was like, probably a good thing. You know, probably a good thing that we get beat because I think we needed it. I think we need, you know, that kind of reset. And it is interesting if we've if we do get that effect again out of the Thistle game, um, sorry, the, the Air United game, given that we, we didn't even get beat, but it could very well be it's it's enough of a sort of wake up call. Not that I think there's there's um, necessarily you know loads of complacency or anything, but there was bits of that game that were a bit kind of lackadaisical. Um, so I I think it's going to be another fairly narrow one. Um, I, I'm going to go two one Rovers on this, and I think it will be a case of kind of getting two goals, and just as we start to look like we might be able to relax in that little bit. I could see them getting one back and then it's just a case of back into a sort of professional, you know, mode and just slow it down, take it easy, don't get carried away, don't throw on loads of strikers for all your defenders and just see it through. Um, uh, Robbie, uh, final thoughts on this one from you, please. Yeah, something that we've not spoken about is that there's a little caveat to this game as well, that Dundee United are playing on the Friday night against Partick Thistle. Now, Thistle didn't do great last weekend, but before that, we know that they can score goals um, and they've got on their day in them, but at the same time, Dundee United tanked them before. So that'll be an interesting game to keep your eye on for a Friday night. I, we don't want to be in a position where we're really sort of looking this, that and the other. We know that we can only control like what happens from a rover's perspective, or we should really only focus on that. Um, so yeah, just I'm going to be the same as Blair. I think it'll be a two 0 win. Um, uh, can see Lewis Vaughan getting a couple of goals. Um, to continue to cement his position as a, a free scoring forward. Um, I think we'll just have a bit too much for them. But again, I don't think it'll be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. I think that they are improving week on week. Um, even aside from forays into fights from their forwards um, breaking out so yeah um, looking forward to it 
I think that will be a, it's one of those ones where you would hope that we can win him. Ideally, if we can get a goal, couple of goals and get a win that's a bit more comfortable than what we've had, we just do the world a good in terms of confidence. Um, and especially against stuff like if we can keep a clean sheet as well. So, fingers crossed. That's it. And um, I think this is the first game on the half-season tickets. The second half-season tickets. So it should be a nice... Um, kind of good strong crowd for this as well you know I mean this is about as as kind of run of the mill league game as it's going to get for us this season really I think and um, you know there is still you can tell you know there's, there is genuine excitement about it it should be as I say a, a decent crowd and as you say Robbie that'll be amplified if Dundee um, United don't beat Thistle on Friday night which that's not going to be an easy game for them at all and, and will definitely be an interesting one to watch Um. But sort of leaving that game, uh, leaving that game behind uh, for a minute or two, and just to kind of go into the other uh, talking point from this week, which normally you'd think the the kind of Christmas week would be fairly quiet, but on um, Christmas Eve we get some very welcome news in uh, in very surprising form, with uh, the uh, the club releasing their uh, their Love Actually parody. To, uh, to let us know that Ian Murray signed a, a three-year contract or was it a John extension. Greer parody? Was it a John Greer parody? <laughs> I think there, uh, there, there's uh, wheels within wheels of uh, <laughs> all of that. So, um, uh, Scott, first of all, uh, I mean, you, you can you can try and tell us your thoughts on uh, on Ian Murray's contract extension. I suspect this is going to become an extended video review, but um, yeah, give us uh, give us your thoughts, please. I will. First of all, I I would I just wanted to say that it was it was brilliant news to see that at first I think everybody that I spoke to also thought the same as me. So I was kind of glad that it wasn't just me. They're sitting watching Dylan Easton's goal, and then until you pans in, you think is he sitting with Easton? And then they're going to announce both of them here. But uh, obviously it's it's Mickey. But uh, I think the two of them played that role pretty well and it was it was a really funny video to watch and uh just another great bit of social media that we've done this year i mean seeing guys like cope to and it saying wraith rovers have done it yet again yet again they've put out brilliant social media and so i think it's just that feel good factor that just keeps coming out week after week that there's just something that we've got to talk about all the time and it's it's been brilliant but i think i mean it was just something i didn't see him not signing an extension but I also didn't see three years. I thought it might have been two, but to get three years, it just means even more a case to, if he continues to do well and another club need a manager, they're going to have to pay up. It's as simple as that. So, brilliant piece of business by the club. And uh, again, I said in the last pod, I'm just hoping now it's another couple of player contracts that are on the way next. I think um, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a signal of intent as much as anything else, managers' contracts are, are they're different to players' contracts, really. Um, I mean, in the same way, I was talking about it. <laughs> Basically, aye. Like, it really, that, that's, I was talking about it with one of my mates a couple of weeks ago, saying that, like, Ian Murray was, was the one I was kind of least worried about, but also, at the same time, you're kind of the most worried about at other times, because exactly that. Like, the contract, there was... There was no way that we were going to get to the end of the summer and Ian Murray's contract was just going to run down yeah. and he was just going to leave 
and just not have anywhere to go to. I think there, there was always, um, at some point, it's going to sign an extension. However, there'll be further elements to it. Where, like, there'll be release causes and stuff in it. I don't doubt that. Um, but as you say, Scott, the fact that it's a three-year deal, that's kind of beyond what you would expect. Probably two years would be standard. And I think what it gives you is something else for the players to buy into. Um, so it's the you know the players are the ones that you really want to get tied down because then you know either they'll stay for that length of time or you should get money for them. Whereas you know football moves pretty quickly. You know if the Hibs job came up in six weeks' time, quite easily Ian Murray could get it. Like the contract in that sense, as you say, Blair doesn't really account for for much, but it is again it's a very good signal from you know the the kind of focal point of the football operation to say i'm bought into this it's not just lip service when i'm doing my interviews you know i am enjoying my work i'm enjoying being here i like everything that's going on and i'm committed to staying for the the foreseeable future um so if the if you know players follow on after that then great i think that's um still very very positive news definitely um, Robbie, what what were your uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, brilliant acting performance. Um, and it's good that you know you just get the buy in as well. We've met uh, a few of the people behind the scenes, and just in the sense that like they're just willing to do things like the video uh, to promote the club, as Scott says. Looking at it from the perspective of Murray, it's it's good because it does give you that a bit of breathing room um, before I've always been quite cautious. If a job comes up, naturally I'm like looking at the McBookie odds and saying, oh, is this going to be the one that he's going to be linked with? And you get top flight clubs and other championship teams are speculating like, oh, Ian Murray's having a good season at Rafe. He might be a good option for a club like that. Motherwell, for example, where a manager's under a bit of pressure. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, now you need to pay up a bit of money. Are you really wanting to do that? when you can look at one of the others that's on the manager medical round, you could try your luck with John Hughes if you want. Um, feel free to go for that. Um, so yeah, just a bit of peace of mind. As mentioned, you, you get the buy-in from the players, so it wouldn't surprise me in the next little while if we do see more extensions coming through for players that are, are valued quite highly. Just, I've got nothing to base this on, no inside inform, information, but I'm far more confident that Dylan Easton's going to sign a contract than I was than Sam Stanton. As, and I think that I'd say the same for Lewis Vaughn as well. I think there's enough history between ourselves and Lewis Vaughn that with a new deal that he would remain at the Rovers because, again, we love him and he's given so much to us as fans and valued so highly by our support. And he's obviously had that reciprocated when he's going through more difficult times. So fingers crossed that we can get a deal sorted for Vaughn as well. Um but it's just good to have that there and we've got that security like Andrew Barman mentioned before after the Dundee United game I re- referred to this on a, on a different podcast it's not a run of form it is a movement and it's uh, it was sort of touched on again that this is a journey for everyone and if you can see that continuity where people are still wanting to remain involved rather than sort of the contract runs down or another club comes in and he says actually I'm going to jump to the top flight then you're sort of saying, okay, well, where do we go from here? Whereas now we're like, okay, we know where we're going from here. We're very confident. So it's nice to have that peace of mind, um, I would say. Yeah, and um, 
Blair, obviously, again, I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on Ian Murray, but on the, the social media point and something that Robbie said there about the fact that there's there's clearly like some kind of buy-in across the football club. So you've got the CEO, the manager, the assistant manager, f- fully throwing themselves into something like that. Uh, fair to say that's maybe, and I'm not asking you to kind of dob anyone in on this, but would it be fair to say that's probably not your experience of the social media side of things a couple of years ago? Very much. We actually had this conversation yesterday. I was out with the boys um, for a wee Christmas drink yesterday and we were kind of chatting through the video and stuff. <clears throat> and that was the one comment somebody said, they're like, could you ever see McGlynn doing that? I was like, not a chance. There is no way in hell you'd have ever got John McGlynn to do anything even close to that. He'd have been like, what a waste of my time. I'm not getting involved. I'm not interested. Mainly because I think he's too self-conscious to actually do it. Um, it's... I think the whole social media thing this year has been a breath of fresh air. Murray mentioned it in his kind of extended piece with Davy Hancock at the beginning of the week as well, where um, it will come back to bite us. It will. At some point, somebody's going to clip it and use it, and it will come back to bite us. I mean, Air tried it a little bit with the sort of Grinch clip thing that they, they had up on their social media before it and how they were here to steal our Christmas and all the rest of it. I love all that. I, I love when that kind of to and fro starts. Um, I thought the video was brilliant. I was, um, it was my father-in-law's birthday, so we were out for a Chinese, and uh, we'd booked for like half two. So we're sitting, and it come up, and I says, "You know, at three o'clock, I'm watching this. Eh? Like that, that's what's happening here." And they're like, "Aye, okay, that's fine." So three o'clock, it pops up, and I'm sitting in this restaurant, absolutely ending myself. It reminded me of like an old WWF video for like the 90s. <laughs> I mean, Andrew Barrowman kind of rocks up at the door. It's like Rick the Model Martel just kind of arriving at the door, looking all handsome. And just even the fact he's involved, I love that. Like, it's, it's a st- bit where it was just, even though you celebrate too much, and as soon as <laughs> I saw that, I was doubled in laughter. It's the wee wink as well. Uh, but it's, it's great though, because it's something we've never really had before is that Barrowman's basically of the same generation as Murray. Like, those two, I imagine, will get on pretty well. But at the same time, there's no kind of, other than positionally within the football club, there's no really a balance of power there. Like, it's not like he's got some kind of older guy who's got, you know, 20, 30 years of experience standing over the top of him telling him what to do. Barrowman's pretty much finding his way in the job as well. And they seem very much... A unit they seem very intent on kind of doing it together and i really like that kind of balance that there is between the two of them i must admit and i did put it on twitter i i genuinely genuinely thought he was going to kiss him when he ran after him <laughs> there up the concourse at starts park i was gutted um the handshake was great but a wee a wee christmas kiss on the lips would have been just as good um no i, I think the whole thing's fantastic I, I do genuinely think like i say the contract means nothing i mean it, it doesn't but it's a signal of intent like you say we are we are in this for the long haul the, the team are pulling together there's a clear vision about what we're trying to do and i do think it'll make a difference to players players sitting there going murray's sticking about here like he's no He's no he's no intent on going anywhere. He's no he's no looking at, at other jobs. He wants to be here, and I want to be part of it, kind of thing. Um. So yeah, long may it continue. Um. And hopefully, we get another two or three of those videos over the next few weeks. That'd be lovely. Just a just a final point for me on the the social media side of it. I think the big thing for me when it involves the manager and it involves the chief executive, it really sells the message 
in full that this is the football club communicating to its fan base and the wider kind of audience, which sometimes is missing the social media stuff. And this is where sometimes I think some of the criticism of like the social media aspect of football is is fair sometimes. Because I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use an example here and it's gonna sound like I'm I'm picking on them and I don't really mean it's a criticism, but it's the one where it's most obvious to me. At Aloha, their social media stuff's quite good and it's quite cheeky and it's quite chippy at times as well. But it's really, really clear that it's just one guy. Yeah. And that one guy's quite good at it. But it's clearly that guy, quite a young guy, the board, whoever is involved, I've got the feeling he's gone to them and been like, you've done anything on Twitter, could I do it as a volunteer? And they've said, yes, and I see he's doing good work, he's doing better than it was before. But it, very, it feels like it's him communicating to their fan base, kind of, on behalf of the club whereas for the rovers at the moment it feels like it's one message that genuinely is coming from the top of the club all the way down and that's then reinforced when you've got the chief executives in the videos that are in the same tone as as the rest of it and it makes it all very believable and all very kind of authentic and it helps kind of sell that message that this is actually how the people who run the football club feel about the way things are going, as opposed to just being one guy kind of having a bit of power. I think a lot of that is going to be down to Rudy Kilgour as well. I mean, he's he's he was trying to be more involved even when I was doing it. Um, there was a, a kind of push, and he, he paid for a lot of things like Facebook advertising and stuff because he felt it was missing things that needed just off his own back as a supporter. Um, and there was always this kind of feeling that he wanted to kind of up that game a little bit more. Um, so him coming in and then this sudden shift in how we do things is not a coincidence in the slightest. Do you know what I mean? He's He's got a wealth of experience in that kind of field and that so, social aspect of things and what works and what doesn't work and from a marketing point of view. Um, I mean, Dick Extension, like 100%, that was, that was Rudy Kilgour without a shadow of a doubt. Um, it had his fingerprints all over it, but it was a kind of a, sing a signal of things to come. I don't think anybody really saw it at the time. It was just a funny thing that happened, but it has just been this constant wave of of new material and even like the little comic book things that are coming out. And do you mean all of this? There's a real kind of rolling. But like you say, when you throw into the fact that as part of these videos, you've got the CEO acting and winking and giving a thumbs up to a camera like there is just a real kind of togetherness which is great to see um and it's, it's got to play into what murray was talking about again in that piece with david hancock about the atmosphere about the place do you know I mean murray loves coming to his work in the morning and the amount of players that have said the same thing they love coming to their work in the morning like that's a great thing to have um so yeah long long may that continue that's it and and yeah, I think that's we've had good fun with the video because it was it was very very good fun. But uh, yeah, above all, absolutely delighted just to, to still have Ian Murray around. I think we'll we'll probably take a bit extra time in a in an episode quite soon. I think and, and talk a little bit more about um, his kind of reign so far and and the real kind of highlights and everything that we've had. Um, but yeah, absolutely delighted that he's um, he's going to be around for uh, for a fair bit longer. Um, but to to bring us to a close today, we will, of course, um, finish with our big question. Uh, and we're going to take a little step back towards um, 
our friends at Arbroath and, and uh, Jay Bird and Jermaine Hilton having a wee bit of a dance together um, against Dunfermline last week. So what I would like to hear uh, from you guys, please, is your favourite uh, your favorite bouts of fighting that have, have uh, broken out on the field, um, I suppose involving the, the Rovers or otherwise. And uh, uh, Robbie, you start us off today, please. Well, um, I think the the first one that comes to mind if you're talking about fights and the the Hilton and Bird scrap was almost reminiscent to, to back in the day with uh, Levine and Hogg at Starks Park. Um, one having to get carted off on a stretcher, was it? And just the whole fiasco that ensued after. I, it was before my time following the club, but there's still so much on it on YouTube. And it was a pre-season game, which was so yeah. makes it just so much dafter. Like the whole surroundings about it, um. So you've got that rovers related. I, I seem to remember there was a few from like the the mid two thousands when we were sort of that period under Gordon Dale. I'm sure we had an away game up at Peterhead where Chris Silvestro knocked one other players out, giving him a punch. Um, and there was um Ian Davidson. I remember your old um one of the old um sort of banner signatures on Pie and Bovril. Um <laughs> Ian Davidson is the cratty kid. Yeah, um, he went through a bit of a spell. Yeah, um, so there was sort of that aspect to it as well, but I'm sure that we'll find other incidents from specific players that we can go into. So those would be sort of two that were really jumping out at me. Chris Silvestro was a boxer, was he not? He was, yeah. Yeah, he did that amateur just on the side. Um, so imagine... I, I remember going up to Brecon with my mate and it seemed to be like, I don't know, 17, 18 at the time. And um, one of the Brecon players like tripped over the ball and was asking for a free kick and Sylvester's just screaming at him on the deck, like, get up you! Like, just getting him to help. And you're thinking, oh, wouldn't they mess with him? But yeah, a lovely guy though, Chris Sylvester, from what I've heard by all accounts. Like, uh, I thought it was really good at the start of the pandemic, just him auctioning off his league winner's medal. Um, just really class thing to do in a time when nobody really knew what was going on with football and you think back and just how much was raised for the club and he was willing to do that to help out like for a club that he'd again he's, he'd probably not been part of for a good wee while so yeah exactly the type of player we needed at that time as well yeah like he was he was a real um kind of powerhouse in that midfield that um i did, did some amount of work uh scott Give us a, a, a scrap story, please. I well, it's always the, the same one that comes to me when it comes to the Rovers, really, there's the whole shenanigans that happened at the build-up to half-time and then at half-time after the whistle when we uh, played the pause at home back in 2012. I think it was that sort of season. Uh, when uh, Alan Walker had just been sent off, literally a minute before half time. So he's away down the tunnel and then obviously it kicks off again after the whistle goes and Doogie Hill's got wee Josh Falkenham by, <laughs> by the neck and we're all in the stand obviously going, well, there's clearly like stuff being said and things, people pushing people and, and you can see somebody's got hold of somebody but you couldn't quite see he had two hands around his neck <laughs> with quite a tight grip and <laughs> So it's really, uh, yeah. it was obviously at the time you're going, oh, they'll probably all get like booked through the tunnel because they all, I think the referee was trying to shuffle them down the tunnel to say, right, 
let's get down here and sort this and then we'll come back up. And then it gets announced on the on the tannoy uh, that Doogie Hill's been sent off at half time, so we will be playing with nine men and then you're going, Well, that's that game gone. There's not even but I think that's the first time that I think because I I would have been maybe eight seasons into the Rovers at that point. That's the first time I properly felt raging at a game. I think I was like I I, I think I spoke about for about a week straight after going that I couldn't believe how raging I was at that all just unfolding in what two minutes that we lost two guys. But the story I think John Greer's told it on here before that the, the funny story Alan Walker sitting in the changing room, Doogie Hill. Pushing the door open, shouting and abusing him, saying, What are you doing? Get yourself sent off, and this is your fault, and whatever. And the referee or his linesman came in and saying, Can we get Doogie Hill, please? And he's just like, Ah, you're sent off or not? <laughs> you're just like, Honest to God. But no, that that's the one that kind of comes back to me all the time. That was, they had them uh, like Simpsons style, like Homer Simpson strangling Bart. They're just Josh Falkenham's totally wee body dangling under. Uh... Josh at um Doogie Hill's Doogie clenched Hill. fists. Um I think it was actually Graham Meldrum who kind of uncovered like a high res version of that that still image. Because I'd obviously just had it bookmarked for any time I felt down um previously, but it was like a photograph of a newspaper. And uh yeah, somehow Graham managed to uncover the original photo. So I'm glad we've got that in the glorious high definition. And um Sticking with uh, Doogie Hill and and also being absolutely raging, um, I'm gonna go. I think the the just the preseason after that, so not not that long afterwards, um, the League Cup Rovers were playing Hearts at Starks Park and um, doing fairly well. Uh, so I think it was one each at the time of the incident, but um, the Rovers had been doing surprisingly well in that game under. Uh, Grant Murray. I watched the highlights of this back earlier on. It's like every single player involved played for the Rovers at one point. It felt like <laughs> David Smith, I think, possibly scored um, Hart's goal. Uh, Kevin McHattie had a terrible game at left back. Grant Anderson just ran him all over the place. Maybe Walker as well was involved, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then, and kind of out of like, relatively little, um, uh, Jim McDonald uh, started and goal had to go off injured. Um, for Hearts as well, there's like a really, a really nothing incident. That pissed Doog- me of innocuous. Yeah, Duke Hill and, and uh, Jamie Hamill square up in the six yard box in front of the south stand, and Jamie Hamill just crumples to the ground. Like, it just this is the way it's he does it as well. Yeah. He doesn't even particularly fall in the manner of someone who has been headbutted because his legs go before his top half does. Like it's a, it's it's just utterly bizarre behaviour as much as anything. And uh, Dougie still stand. Dougie I think, is thinking about headbutting him, and before he gets to the end of that thought process, Jamie Hamill's fallen on the floor, and uh, it's just. I mean, to be fair, actually, it's a terrible answer to this question because there was no fighting at all. Nothing happened. Yeah. But Jamie Hamill very much made it look like it did. And it's just like the perfect example of a referee just being sold entirely by the reaction of players. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I could not believe... Jamie and I guess Hamill's was... just a really 
odd character though, wasn't he? Like there was a goal that he scored for Hearts against Ross County, and he runs up to celebrate in front of Derek Adams. Now, obviously, redemption. It was one of those ones where, if it was the third flight in England, it would have been a proper like Deontay Wilder smashing <laughs> right hook right through. Derek Adams' job, but it wasn't because it's substandard up here. So he just uh, he gets like bodied over, and then he just kind of sits on the ground, like looking about. Yeah, just really odd characters, the two of them. I've properly lost the run of myself that day. It's the one whenever we talk about like actually losing yourself at a game. Aye. that's the one I remember because I remember that, that as he went down for the red card, losing it completely because it was Aye. so bad. Then. In the penalty shootout, he scored and he shoved the ball up his jumper and did this little dance in front of the south stand Aye. and losing myself at him again. And then as we left the McMillan Club that night, walking down the the, the ramp at Starch Park and he comes out to go into the onto the, the team bus and I lost myself at him again. And it was that thing afterwards thinking to myself, like you're an adult, like you should really be beyond this now. But oh, I was so angry, so angry. <laughs> Just uh, had the the match report open there. Just noticed it was um, Sean McGuigan who wrote it, and there's just a little half paragraph uh, after that. It says Hamill, who recovered quickly and required no medical attention. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so funny that. Um, but Blair, let's let's stick with you. Uh, give us your answer to this question, please. I feel like this could actually be a twenty minute segment on Ian Davidson at this point, um, because pretty much every I, I'd thought of the the. Um, the Jamie Hamill one with Doogie Hill. But um, there's kind of two that ring for me with, with Davo um, involved. Actually, there's a few now that I think about it. But um, the one at Airdrie, the 4 3 game where he headbutts a boy for absolutely no reason. I, I've still, I was at the game. I've watched the highlights to that game probably hundreds of times. I've never seen the headbutt though, because it was so far off camera, they didn't catch it in the highlights. Back from a corner. We've got the corner, the ball's gone out, and Davo's running back to get into centre half and just headbutts boy. You just like, had, see so often during his, his Rovers career, right? Davidson, club legend, no doubt about it. But there was so often where you just went, oh my God, Davo, why have you done that? <laughs> The other one, actually, that, that was very much that moment, and in my head, and I could be wrong with this, because years and years of these games, they all kind of merge into one, but it was a game up at Arbroath, and Bobby Sloan scored against them. I think we beat them 2-0 two, two or 2-1, um, and their player, I don't know who it was, but he'd been in Mark Campbell's face the whole game. He'd been at him, and he'd been at him the whole game, and it was after the final whistle, and he just went at him one more time, and Davo just lamped him. Just actually sparked him out, clean out, the referee shows him the red card. And that was the game that McGlynn, in my head anyway, McGlynn stripped Davo of the captaincy at that point because mm. he was the, the Rovers captain at that point. But he just clearly had enough of whatever this boy was saying to Mark Campbell. And just... you, you had the one that was um, when he melted the ball into Robert Snodgrass's face. Um, my favourite. That was another oh. one. Um, there was... I, I mean... Ian Davidson, just the, the one that he had when he was up at Peterhead, um, like the season that we won the league against Falkirk, and he literally got sent off for abusing the ref just so intensely. A straight um, red, though. That's I, a straight red for, uh, for language. Like, I don't know what he said, but it was just, we were just like, the balls, like, there was no tackles. The referee just stopped the play and just read cards on. And you're thinking, what? Like, what's going on? Like, it made I no have, sense. For the record, though, I absolutely love Davo. <laughs> I do. Just, all, all of that aside, 
Love but um, the other one that I'm thinking of is when we played Air. Uh, I mean, this could turn into a full podcast of it, <laughs> Davidson at its own. Um, when we played Air in the the, the game that Castellanovo scored, where like directly before there was a handball. Now Ian Davidson was on a booking at this point, and if you want a laugh, go back to the highlights of the incident at the handball that was not given. The ball strikes the hand, fires off, and then Davo just turns and you've never seen one person like bollock someone to make them smaller like he literally just reduces in stature he goes from being about like five foot seven to five foot three because he's just and you're thinking davidson's got to get sent off and then grant murray the voice of reason just walks in and he's like right you get away and then starts going at the referee himself but uh... that's i that's one of these ones that you'd think should probably be a straight red card because it's yeah. so aggressive. Um, uh, not that it makes me feel an ounce of uh, anything. Feel sorry for that referee at all. Ah, he deserved it. It was Philly, and it was brilliant when handball. that equaliser went. And it's probably one of my favourite goals that I've ever seen in front of the South Stand. Where, yeah. where, uh, I think that was Alan Muir, still hanging about making terrible refereeing decisions. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's end on that uh, on that note so thank you again uh, as always thank you for listening thank you for watching um i hope everybody enjoys the game on saturday and uh, that we get another three points i think we've still to decide exactly when we will be uh, recording the debrief for that one so it could very well be hogmanay but if it is um new year's day and you don't hear from us until then i hope everybody has uh, an excellent hogmanay and an excellent new year but rest assured we will be back to talk through this one and very quickly uh turn our attention to east end park for the derby as well so as i say thank you for listening and you will hear from us again soon <laughs>